Welcome to an episode of Meeting of the Gold Mines, a brand new podcast hosted by a group of degenerates who all root for the only professional basketball team in Los Angeles that's worth talking about. <laughs> we'll talk about the good, the bad, and the really fucked up shit. We do things differently on this podcast. Don't worry, we will cover all things Lakers. We'll have your analytics, we'll talk salary cap, we'll talk about the rookies, the old guys, and even the front office. We're also going to talk pop culture, music, film, and if it's a funny story, even some politics. But our goal is to always make this shit entertaining. So like the late great Dr. Buss used to say there in all those nights in the forum club, it's showtime, bitches. You know, um, there's some times that we, you know, we're always trying to promote our shit and always hype up our shit. That's what we do in co- when you're a content creator. But you know what? There are some times that you plan something and it's like, oh, shit, this is going to be a good one. And that's what it is going to be today for episode 15. We're almost we can almost drive. We have our learner's permit. But this is episode 15 of Meeting of the Gold Mines. We are doing a live recording. Uh, we are recording this in our playback, playback.e slash PGM fan cave. But, uh, you know, we, we're we representing the California IA today. Uh, Tony, we're not alone. We are not alone, my brother, um, Mr. Tony Vega. How are you, sir? Sir, I am good. Great to see all these people here again. Uh, it's it's a good day to record. Um, the season has not started. Twitter is at best midseason form right now. It's all looking good. I'm just ready to just talk some basketball and talk some of this uh, California trash talk. Uh, just conversation. Discussion. But well, look. Um, if you are listening to this. You know, once the podcasts go out, I need you to wear some Chucks, not Bally's. I need you to grab some Randy's Donuts. I need you to listen to Dre, Snoop, uh, Kendrick Lamar, uh, some Nipsey. I need you to listen. Oh, we can't forget the Bay. I need you to listen to some 40, some Too Short. Blow that fucking whistle, folks. Because we're representing the West Coast. We're representing California IA. We're not here alone. This is officially the NBA Roundtable Cali Edition. And we got some very special guests with us representing Dub Nation and some quality brothers. You know, we'll get along with them for the next hour and a half. We got Mr. Trophy Mentality. AKA Mr. Bruce Lou Bree, uh, excuse me, Bruce Leroy. Yeah, How you yeah. doing, brother? Hey man, the sports samurai is feeling good, baby. And you can see you see the glow. You see the golden child right here, man. You oh, I know you glowing. Man, so. Hey, you hey, you two and oh in the in the preseason against us. So yeah, I know man. you feeling good about yourself. You about to win that October Cup. So I know you feeling good. But you know what? Yeah. You're gonna have to share some of that. Glow because also representing the Warriors Dub Nation is Mr. Gifted Hoops. How you doing, brother? 
Doing good. Happy to be here. Can't wait to get down to some Warriors basketball and these overall hoop conversations. All right, all right, all right. Yo, well, we're not we're not done with Northern Cali. We also represent in 916, Sacktown, Bay Area and back down. We got Chewy Wolf representing Top Shot Kingdom. <laughs> wow. That's just foul. That's just foul. How are you doing? How are you doing, sir? Uh, you uh, you guys ready to turn on that flashlight? Oh yeah, we got we got that LED ready to go. There you go. There you go. Shout out to uh, Top Shot Kingdom. And last but never least, um, we're planning to kick them out of our building in the, you know what about a year or so because um, you know they're about to move into a building that has lots of toilets lots of toilets um they also play basketball they hang out with us they rent our city but he is a quality brother i love his content he is dime dropper host of locked on clippers what's up dime dropper what's up brother how you doing man good happy to be here reserving my my clapbacks for later in the show though Absolutely. Absolutely. His ass later in the show for sure. Absolutely. Well, you know what? Look, uh, we had to, we, you know, when we were doing this, when me and Tony was uh, putting this together, we was like, yeah, we need a neutral party because look, we're not inviting folks uh, just to, just for, so we can troll, right? We do that on Twitter, but we're not going to do that on the podcast. We're not going to bring you in the house just to troll. So there's only one person who, who he is the Switzerland of, NBA Twitter. He is the Switzerland of just, I would say, NBA media. He is a quality person, even though his food takes are atrocious. He has beef with Michael Jackson and an all cereal that has uh, cartoon characters on it. But he is a good brother. Always will have respect for him. Chris from Hoop Spaces. What's up, man? You are moderating. You are keeping us in check today. What's up? Uh, what's up, everybody? I want a good, clean fight. No heel, no rabbit punching, no gouging, no elbows. Keep the head butting down. You know, keep the elbows tucked in. I'm not trying to get people clipped. Uh, I want to have a good, good show. Uh, and I do have ties to Cali, both NorCal and South. Like, I, I lived in both places. So it's dope to see so many good content creators coming up and putting out what they want. Right? So uh, big ups to y'all for coming together because this isn't easy to do. No, it's not. No, it's not. But you know what? I respect everyone, all you guys, all you gentlemen, for um, finding the time to make this happen. So, Chris, you are running this show. So the floor is yours. You take us where we need to go. All right. What's up, everybody? Uh, thanks for the introduction by Born Rebel uh, and the Purple and Gold Mines. What's up to Tony here? Uh, Gifted Blade and Dime Dropper. Uh, happy have them, uh, you know, in the group chat. Uh, we've got two for me, two people uh, who I followed and follow on Twitter, but this really is the first time we got some real big interaction. So I'm actually really, I'm psyched here because I want to see how they respond to people who are new. And I'm expecting some real, real good challenges here from the Sacramento Kings and Golden State Warriors. Two teams that we're going to start off with here uh, that usually are viewed on the opposite sides of the spectrum. But last season, 
they gave us some thrills here. So we're going to go ahead and go like this. We're going to get a quick recap of the Golden State Warriors season uh, by Gifted. We'll go to a quick recap of the Kings uh, by Chewy. And then we'll get into some NorCal. And then we'll bring in some SoCal. And then we're going to mix it all together. Uh, so Gifted, you're up first. Give us your breakdown last year of the Golden State Warriors. Uh, and then if you want to chime in as his partner in the in crime here, hop in after Gift is done, and then we'll move right on to Chewy and Sack. Yeah, so last year for the Golden State Warriors, they were coming off of a NBA championship versus the Boston Celtics. They came in as a team that had a lot of expectations on their shoulders. And to start the year, I would say the perimeter defense for Golden State was suffering severely in the first 10 games. We lost a bunch of games to a ton of teams that Golden State was more talented than, but the on-ball pressure on the defensive end simply was not great. James Wiseman is a player that was drafted number two overall by the Golden State Warriors organization, but his short tenure on the Warriors and in the league, he hasn't really had much time to play much basketball to figure things out at a high level, and, and Golden State was trying to get back to the mountaintop of where they were. So during the season, they had to make some changes and some adjustments, and they were able to get Gary Payton back on the roster, who was able to fill in that uh, guard role in terms of uh, providing a defensive boost to the roster. And it was a very turbulent season with Steph playing at an MVP level but being hurt twice over during the regular season. Before he went down, he was shooting like a 70% true shooting. He was averaging – 50, 40, 90 on 30 points per game. He was playing phenomenal basketball. Andrew Wiggins is another great player who was a very important piece of the Warriors winning the title last year. And with him, he had a lot of uh, family stuff going on off the court, but also he had an injury which kept him out for a big chunk of the season. He only played 37 games. And Golden State's record on the road was really bad. They just played terrible defense on the road. They gave up a ton of threes, but at home they were top five in offense and defense. So it was like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type of situation. And in the middle of all of this, Jordan Poole, who was this young upstart player who showed some great promise, who had some great flashes in the Denver series and even in the playoffs after the fact, uh, was in an altercation with Draymond Green. And Draymond Green basically threw out a, a punch at him. You know, words were said. And then the tape was leaked to the media before the season started. And then opening night, Draymond himself had a documentary kind of talking about his experience with it. So there were a lot of things going on with Golden State both on and off the court. But by the end of the season, Golden State had finally rounded themselves into form. They made the playoffs. And they had to play the Sacramento Kings, a team that a lot of people, for whatever reason, thought would be at the bottom People thought that the Kings would be a bottom feeder and they would be worse than the Portland Trailblazers. I remember this because I was arguing that they were going to be a really good team. And we had to play them for a tough seven games where every game came down to rebounds, second chance opportunities, and who was able to score more in transition. And ultimately in game seven, Steph Curry put the seal on that series, dropping 50 points where Kevon Looney was also making key rebounds and key defensive plays for the entire series. And, we lost to the Lakers in the very next round, unable to go to the conference finals. But now we're here for a new season. Jordan Poole has been traded. We now have Chris Paul on the roster who has great upside in terms of being able to lead and elevate a bench unit for the Golden State Warriors. 
and provide a bit more stability than Jordan Poole did last year, even though health is more of a concern than Poole. So it's time to see what we have to offer this season. All right. Uh, Bruce, come on in here. Uh, clean up anything that you thought that you wanted to highlight here. Uh, but we're also going to go with another question to get to come in after you. Then we're going to bring in Chewy. You went seven games with the Sacramento Kings as the Warriors. What did you learn about the Kings? And what did you learn about the Warriors after that seven-game series? Well, what, what I learned about the Sacramento Kings is they got next. Um I was able to see De'Aaron Fox play here in Miami a couple of years ago, and uh, Miami had Hassan Whiteside as the center, and he pretty much got him up out of his starting position because the only people who could show any signs of, like, lateral defensive skills and capabilities just in that pick and roll was Bam, right? And so Fox, I think he's, you know, should be in conversation as far as MVP. Um, he's very quick, efficient with the floater. And, you know, they, they got something brewing over there. I like Sabonis as well. He's really underrated in a sense. You know, everybody like to compare him to his dad, which you could probably argue that he's better just from, you know, being able to do a little bit more as far as, like, shooting or whatever the case is and the speed of the game, rather, right? But with the Warriors, I always say, like, champions, when you win championships, there's a certain confidence most champions, they gain, right? You got some people that win a championship, they never win a championship again. Ultimately, they may play a bit better, but then you got people who win consecutive championships or several, the Warriors in this particular case. And it's not only the confidence that they have, it's also the fear that people develop going up against these guys because they was embarrassing everybody for a long time. Now, what I learned about the Doves is it doesn't matter how great you are. Like, Gifty, you just pointed out, Steph played, what, 56 games last year? He was doing his dollar, right? He had two injuries here and there. But it doesn't matter how great you are. If your locker room is fractured, you're only going but so far, right? The Sacramento Kings not only knew exactly how you played, they played similar, and they were more together. To me, I personally think the Kings should have beat the Warriors and not the Lakers. For some reason, I think maybe Sacramento realized who they are even after that series, and I think they'll bounce back. But I, I, I personally felt like the Warriors, I would have probably felt better if they lost to Sacramento versus the Lakers because it's like at that point, the locker room was still having their issues. You could see, still see little temper tantrums with Jordan Poole and other players on the team. And ultimately, when you're a reigning champ or defending champs and you're trying to, like, reclaim your throne or still stay on it, there are certain things that can't fly from a chemistry perspective and from just a building a winning chemistry perspective. So... Yeah, I learned that the Sacramento Kings, they got next. And the Dubs, you know what I mean? doesn't matter how great you were. If you're not on your A game, somebody's going to knock you off your seat. All right, so we're going we're gonna to go to Chewy to get a Kings perspective here. Then we're going to go ahead and open it up to the non-Warriors and Kings so we can get their outside thoughts here on what was arguably the most entertaining uh, first-round series I've seen probably in the last five years. Uh, Chewy. You're coming in from the other side. So, fun fact, I lived in Sacramento. Uh, I went to Kings games at Arco Arena. It was horrible. Arco was horrible. The food was horrible, and the basketball was horrible. Last year, though, Mike Brown came over from the Golden State Warriors, and that was what people said was the turn. I'm going to go a little bit further. Bruce Leroy brought in De'Aaron Fox. 
De'Aaron Fox changed the culture in Sacramento through sheer individual willpower, right? A lot of people who don't watch the Kings, they don't understand that. I want to give you a chance, 30 seconds, to explain what makes De'Aaron Fox such a cultural phenomenon in Sacramento, and then go ahead and talk about that seven-game series uh, and what your thoughts are. Put me on the spot with Fox. So, yeah. I mean, last year last year was a great year for him to showcase who he was with the inaugural Clutch Player of the Year. You know, for, for him to have that year when that award was first introduced and he ran away with it, that there was no no doubt that he was the clear-cut favorite to win that award. People people tried to say there was some other guys, but if you looked at the stats and you looked like there, there was no one else in the fourth quarter that I would have rather had the ball in, in his hands. Um, bringing his buddy over Monk, that chemistry between those two guys, that Kentucky connection, that was poetry in motion. Um, there's an old video when, when Fox still had had his haircut with the the braids in there. Um, and he talks about how the Kings were going to be leaving Sacramento and how the fans came together to save the team and keep it in Sacramento. And he had said that he was going to be bringing the playoffs to the fans. And now here he is. It was not just him, but he's definitely, definitely a huge part of that. Um, you see him having, having a, having a child, uh, last year, he brings his child and his wife to every single game. Very, very down to earth. And I think the fans have that connection with him. That's pretty cool. I I, I remember uh, when they drafted him. And, and I remember that a lot of people uh, really just said he was an athlete. Um, but I think in the seven-game series, he proved that notion wrong. And a lot of a lot of these Kentucky cats, they get it. What, what was it in the seven-game series that you lost, right, what was it that made you lose? Because it was close. Like, it seemed that you had the momentum. But you, then <laughs> life happened. What was it that happened, Chu? Tell us. You mean other, other than other than HB missing that three in game six? <laughs> <laughs> was it a mentality thing? Because that's really like where I'm going from. Um, Bruce said something. Bruce Leroy said something good, right? When you win as a champion, you develop a confidence. When you win again, you develop a habit. When you win again and again, you understand. Yeah. The Kings went toe-to-toe seven games and was right there. What is it that you need to do as a Kings organization to get you to the next level? Then we're going to bring in Born Rebel, Tony Vega, and the Lakers, and Dime Dropper of the Clippers to get their outside thoughts. So so this year, you know, they brought in some guys – on the second level, they brought in JaVale McGee. He's going to bring some hopeful, hopefully not so much sacked in the fool stuff and more of the defense and rebounding stuff. Um, you know, in that, in that series, Looney was a beast on the boards. And that's one area where even though Sabonis was a rebounding leader in the season, Looney was a beast in that series and we just couldn't handle him. And, you know, Sabonis had that broken finger the entire season, but you wouldn't have known it. Fox broke his finger in that series as well. Keegan had a broken finger as well, but nobody really even knew about it. Um, everyone gets injuries. I don't want to make that an excuse, but that played a big part in, in that series. Now going into this series, we're bringing over uh, the EuroLeague MVP and Sasha. 
We still got Monk. We're bringing in different guys with Chris Duarte that hopefully has that experience with Sabonis. It's all about just the little things. We didn't make any big splashy moves. And I think if everybody can tie into that chemistry, tie into that culture that Mike Brown, the uh, unanimous, fierce unanimous uh, coach of the year last year, if everyone can tie into that and buy into that culture, I think that will get us to the next level. The problem is we were surprisingly very, very healthy. And a lot of other teams weren't. Uh, and a lot of other teams did make big splashes. And everyone's going to be better in the West. So our record might come down, but I think everyone's record is going to kind of be balanced. It's going to be a tough, tough West. All right. Uh, there you go. Now we're going to take the gloves off because we're going to bring in some Lakers fans and some Clippers fans. You know them. Uh, it's Tony and Born Rebel. Uh, they're going to tell you that nobody on Sacramento or Golden State can match the sheer star power of Austin Reeves. Uh, and then you got Dime Dropper over here fighting the good fight, saying PG and Kawhi is going to lead his team without this rest to a championship. Uh, we'll go, since there's two Lakers, we're going to go to Dime Dropper, uh, host of Dime Dropper on YouTube, as well as the Locked on Clippers podcast, a man who pulls no punches. So we're going to open up swinging. Uh, get your get your thoughts on the Kings and the Warriors out the way, and then go ahead and challenge uh, anything you heard from these three dope content creators. Uh, what's going on, guys? I mean, all due respect to the Warriors, I think they're kind of cooked. Uh, I think <laughs> Steph Curry is incredible, although he is also declining. Uh, still, still a top three player in the league for me, though. Clay Thompson, he he really, really went uh, brick squad in in the Lakers series, and that's my favorite Warrior of them all. Is he going to bounce back? I see people saying, you know, Clay's going to have this bounce back season. These Warriors fans on my timeline. I mean, I don't know, man. He's not getting any younger. He can't really slide his feet the same way he used to. He's not the same defender at all. But the thing about Clay is I wouldn't put it past him to get hot in the right game for the Warriors because he has championship DNA. The bigger thing with me is Draymond. Draymond, we know about all the stuff off the court that Warriors fans have had a problem with. His LeBron fandom, his punching of Jordan Poole. This offseason has shown us where the Warriors' front office is. They're behind the vets, the big three, the whole way till the end. So Jordan Poole was gone. They brought in CP3. To me, I, I made a tweet last year after the after the Lakers series that I think that Clay or Draymond, one of them got to go to the bench. They got to mix this starting lineup up. But they're not going to do that. Chris Paul, because I know people are going to say, oh, they had, the, they had the best net rating in the league in the regular season. I'm so tired of hearing that. Clay Thompson <laughs> bricked every shot in the playoffs. And they, people know that the Warriors' backcourt can't defend anymore. Wiggins is amazing. I love Wiggins. Um, but Chris Paul is so, I don't know. If, if Steph Curry helps that dude win a championship, oh, man, he can put, get put even higher in his all-time. Generational Ooh. gravity. Chris Paul, I don't know what it's going to be like with that team. Then it's the whole, is Chris Paul going to start or not? Is Draymond going to come off the bench? It's a mess. I, I mean, I, I don't know what's going on over there. I like Kaminga and Moody. But I'll tell you what, Sacramento, I'm a lot higher on. Sacramento, everyone's sleeping on them. They got continuity. They didn't really make that many big moves. But De'Aaron Fox is a stud. He's going to keep getting better. His prime is approaching. Keegan Murray is going to be in his second year. Davion Mitchell, one of my favorite perimeter defenders in the league, just defenders in the league. If Sabonis worked on his little mid-range, if he actually can be respected from 15 feet, 12 feet, then the Kings are going to win a series this year, possibly. Very, very good chance of it. But I think Sacramento in the regular season, they have a really good chance to be really good again because 
they're a younger team, so I figure they're going to stay healthier. Now, Chewy did say they got the health luck last season. I'd hope that that luck happens for them again because they just had better injury luck than the rest of the league or the rest of the West. But the way they're coached, the way they practice hard, I think they just created some good habits. I think the Warriors, uh, the Kings are going to be a very good regular season team. I think the Warriors are still more dangerous in the playoffs, though. The last thing I'll say is I still don't think the Kings have a chance to win a championship. The Warriors, just because of the simple fact that they're battle-tested and they have Steph Curry, I still think they have one of the six or seven highest chances of any team to win it all. Even though I think they're cooked, they still have a good chance. Not a good chance, a chance because of Steph. But, yeah, I, I, I think they got to switch up that starting lineup, man, but they didn't bring in anybody worth the change. I think Clay's just passed it. Draymond, it's like we're going to – the Warriors win depending <laughs> on whether Draymond's going to sh- look at the basket or not on a given night. Like, it's, it's – it's, it's, I don't know. Not, I'm not having it anymore. I love it. Uh, let's get the Lakers thoughts in here. Uh, then we're going to allow them to go ahead and respond because, like, I, I know – uh, no gift is ready. Uh, who's gonna take oh, it first, Born well, or Tony? Well, real, well, 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 hold on, real quick, because we're gonna do some Shaq and Kobe shit. Because uh, Chris, you brought up uh, Austin Reeves. Uh, Tony, do you want to let the folks know who Austin Reeves is? Uh, wait. <laughs> oh, come on, Tony. He didn't eat it. He didn't have it. He no faith in Austin Reeves already. That's crazy. <laughs> wait, is that is is, is that? A... No, no, do the full, do the full clip, Tony. Austin, Austin, you're him. I that's mean, it, I only have two clips. It's not. No, that's that's well. Yeah, that's that's all we got to do. <laughs> well, look. First of all, I just want to thank. First of all, um, Dime Dropper. If you're going to refer to the Warriors, you need to refer to them as their full name, the Golden Aged Warriors. Because anytime I look at this roster, I just want to say thank you for being a friend. Okay, if anyone knows those words. <laughs> Thank you for being a friend. Because let me tell you what they, what let me tell you what these people did, right? So, uh, you know, we had an understanding with the Warriors, okay? Because we knew, okay, folks know on Lakers Twitter, NBA Twitter, Warriors Twitter, we all knew that if we meet in the playoffs, it's going to go crazy. So we had an understanding. Hey, yo, we'll take care of business. We'll see you in the next round. These guys said, hey, you know what? Let LeBron get some a couple of extra days of rest. We finished our business in six games against the, uh, the Grizzlies. They, they decided to, uh, you know, give us some extra rest and, you know, um, go to seven games. Um, man, I don't – Chris, you're, you're the food connoisseur. I don't know what dish you want to say, but these guys are cooked food. These guys, uh, Tony, you know, barbecue chicken. Like barbecue chicken alert, barbecue chicken alert. <laughs> yes, but yeah, the uh, I, I look, I don't see it. Look, and shout out to uh, it, did, it, did anyone find it suspicious that a clutch client won the clutch award? Just saying, uh, Tony, you're you're the fix is in, <laughs> the fix is in, but Tony, go ahead, my brother. Uh, I mean, I'm uh, again, uh, Zen goes heavy, I kind of go to the real side, but. Nah, I, I kind of like what what the Kings have going for them. Like, their trajectory, like, I do agree with Dime Dropper. They, they're most likely going to win a series. They may surprise. I think everybody has, from every list that I've seen, they have the Kings, like, down, like, in six, seven, something crazy, which I don't believe that to be true. I still believe they're, they're going to be a force. And um, if Sasha can hit, if the, con- the continuity works, I feel like that's that's going to be a, 
uh, imposing team this 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 season. Um, the Warriors, though, I, yo, I'll be honest. It's kind of funny to see kind of like the attachment to Kaminga, and kind of like the the desperation. Like you kind of you kind of need Kaminga, you kind of need Moody to a certain extent. Like the thing about the the, the Warriors that I like, it wasn't a problem about like. CP3. I feel like CP3, we kind of know what he's going to bring. I feel like you know what Curry is. You know what Clay can do to a certain extent. But the question marks was always Kaminga, Moody. Are, is Steve Kerr going to play them? Are there going to be politics? I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of question marks, but pre- this preseason seems to be positive. So hopefully it goes well for you guys. But um, I just hope Kaminga does a good job for you guys. That's all. Like, I hope that preseason translates to the regular season. So, all right. Like, there you go. You got you had two flamethrowers, and you had someone coming in uh, with with like a, a very good chocolate chip. Uh, I'm gonna give you some some compassion and empathy. Uh, take here with Tony, and then in the end, he tries to to throw like a, a weird curveball at y'all. I, I I see gifted and Bruce Leroy ready. Like they're ready to go. Chewy's just sitting here. He's 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 like the dots are connecting. Uh, we'll go to Gifted Blade first. We'll go uh, to Bruce Leroy second. Uh, Gifted, you are up. We're gonna give you two minutes, man. You got 120 seconds. Uh, kill. Go. Okay, so first things first. Dime Dropper, much respect to you. I'm um, happy that you think that we are cooked. But at least you'll be able to see our team play in the playoffs and get cooked and not do these what-ifs every year like with your team. Uh, For the Los Angeles Lakers, I find it funny how you talk about uh, us being aged when you have Anthony Day-to-Day Davis and LeBron James at age 40 playing on your roster like you don't need Austin Reeves to be a foul grifter to have success in the playoffs. I think that's very interesting. And I got to say, the Kings are a good team. And ironically, a, a big part of why we were unable to be successful in the second round is because we played competition in the first round. You guys played a Memphis Grizzlies team that had Ja Morant hurt, had a compromised front court, which we all understand. If Memphis front court was fully healthy, the defense would have been a lot more potent and would have been a much harder competition for the Lakers to come out of. But instead, go to say I have to play a fully healthy Sacramento Kings team that during the series, things happened, of course. We had to go back and forth, and Steph Curry had to be the master among all masters for us to win. That's what it was. I just find it funny because Kuminga is still one of the better young wings in the league. And if you had guys actually watch basketball last year, when there was no Steph Curry, he was closing out lineups and actually locking up Kawhi and Paul George in the regular season. That's what I remember personally. So, Dime, I hope that your team – can actually like have guys that play basketball. Oh, wait, you also traded all those picks and Shea for those two guys who are also up after this season. So this season seems a bit more pressing for you than us because we actually won the championship. Oh, wait, the Lakers didn't do that in the last two years. I'm sorry. That's just me, though. I see. Look at that. All time, too. See, but I knew I knew you were not going to actually address what I said and come back at my team, which I have less faith in than you probably do. The Warriors, <laughs> I have a better chance of winning a chance than the Clippers. The Clippers, you guys think I'm going to come here on and defend them like crazy? Like, no, man, I said blow it up this summer. But you know what? I have to buy into these guys. I personally just think the Warriors are a little cooked. The Clippers, I mean, we have nothing to stand on. You feel me? It's all what-ifs and nonsense. I wasn't going to come in here defending them, but I always wanted to see if you addressed – what I actually said about your team, because I actually have a great deal of respect for the Warriors. I just think that they needed an injection of something that's a little bit more 
reliable than just Kaminga and Moody's um, ascension. I really do believe in it. Development, yeah. Chris Paul is not is not it to me. But yeah, so so so, so, right. Dom, Dom, so Dom, let me say this, man. You probably one of my favorite Clipper fans on Twitter. We might not engage all the time, but I love what you're doing. You know your stuff. But for you to use the word cook, and I know you are an intellectual when it comes to sports, aren't we getting a bit emotional? The Warriors just won a championship <laughs> two years ago, right? They just won a championship two years ago, and with all the turmoil that was going on behind the scenes, behind closed doors, I understand you don't want to hear it, but they did have the best five-man lineup, according to all of the analytics. And we know the NBA is driven by analytics these days, right? And, okay, let me say this, right? Tony Vega, I understand you saying, like, uh, the ascension of Kaminga and the future line on Moody. These guys didn't even play in the finals. These guys were they, they were not even asked to do much maybe one or two games a series just two years ago, right? And now let's say we move forward. We do understand change does have to come, right? Do you know that David Love or David Lee, rather, who many Warrior fans love, he just got hurt and nobody thought Draymond Green was going to morph into the player that Golden State, like, this is who we needed. But you would not have had that had those injuries not come. It's like Klay Thompson. Clay Thompson wasn't with the Warriors for the first 50 games. Jordan Poole was there. The Warriors started off 18-2. and two. So sometimes an injury can empower a Terrence man or, you know, an, another player. And all of a sudden you say, wait, we got actually greater players. You understand? So, like, I think what you're seeing in the preseason, you just kind of don't put up almost 30 points every other game and just look this dominant to just not be a stud. So my hope is that Kaminga does grow. But as you mentioned, um, they got Steph Curry and, you know, Tom Brady. They thought he was cooked, too. He came to Tampa Bay, almost 40-something years old, going through a divorce, and he still found a way to win. So, again, as long as the, the, the Power Rangers got those powers, hey, man, anything can happen out there in the Bay. I love the Tom Brady reference. This guy, Chewy, he's going to come in uh, with a retort because, like, I think what a lot of people are saying is, Man, those Sacramento Kings, they sure did play hard, but then they leave it at that. Like, that's all I'm hearing. Like, literally, the only one who was up here who said something positive was gifted. Like, everybody else was like, ah, yo, that was cute. That was real cute. Let's see you do it again. Tell them how they're going to do it again. I've honestly never heard so much positivity come my way, actually. I mean... The last 17 years, it's all been trash, poverty, this, that, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, it's cute, it's cute, you won more than 30 games. Um, I mean, I will say that last year was was a big dream. You know, I've been a fan since since the early 90s, so to live through, and I don't want to go through the uh, early 2000s like I did with the Lakers, <laughs> but to go through that, go through the dips, and then come back up now like I am now, like that last year was a dream. Um, you know, th- this year, this year, the way that the, the Kings are going to come through, man, it's, it's going to be rough. Um, if Sabonis can knock down that jumper and not be afraid, I, I don't know how many times last year I'm just yelling at the TV, stop being so fucking soft. He's soft at the rim. It needs to be hard. He needs to throw it down. Um, needs to be more aggressive underneath. <clears throat> um, you know, I, I know that that dribble handoff, during the regular season was a thing of beauty, but in the playoffs, the Warriors shut that dribble handoff down. 
Um, yeah. What's his name? Herter is still trying to get the, his swing back. During the preseason, he's been trash. Like I don't know what happened to him. Earlier in the season, you had you had a uh, you had KD talking like he was the next you know ascending god of shooting, and now he's I don't know where he went. So I I, I pump the brakes any time that there's anything good to do with the Kings because I've suffered through so much. I've been in that drought. Anytime there's anything good, I'm that pessimistic fan, just like ah, I'll wait until I see it. Like I. I cannot, I can't fight the Lakers. I can't fight the, can't fight the the Warriors on anything until I see my own team prove me wrong. Like, I, to try to fight those big powerhouses, it, it's hard sometimes. I, I find myself buddying up against the Clippers fans. You know, I was <laughs> I was born in in Southern California, and I would probably would have ended up being a Clippers fan and suffering just like I did up here in Northern California as a Kings fan. So that question of how are they going to overcome it, I don't know. I don't know how my team overcomes things. I've never seen it. I get that. I get that. You brought up something uh, in in regards to the Lakers and Warriors, and that's what we're going to move to next. We're actually going to start with you, Chewy. Uh, We're going to do it reverse. We opened up the show uh, talking from teams and respective creators. We're actually going to flip it. We're going to go to the other creators and talk about the Lakers and Warriors matchup first. So we're going to go Chewy, then we're going to go Dime. Then we're going to bring it back in, and we'll get Gifted Blade, Bruce Lee, Roy, Tony Vega, and Born Rebel. Uh, look, you guys lost, Chewy, to the team that was better during that matchup. Like, shit happens. We get it. But then you got to watch them play the Warriors, and you saw – I mean, the Lakers, and you saw them lose – and it was not necessarily a pretty loss in terms of how they lost the series. What wow. did you think when you saw it? And, and did you feel a little bit of redemption, some, some good, like, you know what? I'm glad they lost. You know, go ahead and get that off the chest now. Uh, I promise we won't hold it against you. Uh, but give us your thoughts, and then we'll go over to Dime to get his thoughts on the Warriors-Lakers. So going back to what I was saying with how my, my old-time fandom – my my new rivalry, my new hatred is of the Warriors and the young the young Warrior fans that talk shit. As I walk down Sacramento and my city is covered in gold, you know, and they're talking shit to me, and I'm like, man, I, I've lived through the shit. You can't talk shit to me, right? Like, anything that you say, my own team talks shit to me. Okay, like I lived through that, and then so to live through that. And then to see the Warriors lose to the Lakers, my old rival, it brings back that hatred for the Lakers. And it's like I'm happy and I'm sad at the same time because the team that just beat me lost, so I'm happy. But the team that I hate won, you know. So it's like this this give and take, this this love hate. Um, what I saw though was that had we made it to the second round, we probably would have made it to the Western Conference Finals. Like that that team that played the Lakers team that played the Warriors, I have almost no doubt in my mind that the Kings would have beaten the Lakers in that series. And the only thing that would have kept them from winning was either the injury that Fox had to his finger or uh two thousand three refs again. That's like the only thing that would have kept us from 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 going in that series. Now we might have been swept in the Western Commerce by the Nuggets, but I don't think that we would have lost that series versus the Lakers. 
Uh-huh. Cool. Uh, Dime, hop in here. We're going to go quickly. Uh, we got a couple of more topics, then we're going to open it up with the ESPN Top 100, and it's going to be pretty free-flowing. I'm going to take the brakes off, and they're just going to go at it when we start saying names. Uh, Dime, Warriors-Lakers last season, six games. What's your thoughts? Uh, Gifted and Bruce, take it up right after him. Uh, I think the Lakers just proved to be way too big for the Warriors in the front court, especially. Um, they dominated them on the glass, dominated them on the inside. Uh, Kavon Looney is a very solid player, but he was kind of neutralized a bit in that series. Wasn't that the series, guys? Correct me if I'm wrong. He, he didn't play that much, right? You guys tried going uh, small? Y- yes, right. yes. Yeah. Yeah, it went from Kev- Kavon Looney's like the second best player in the series for the Warriors to he's not even getting really the same amount of minutes. Um, I think the Lakers definitely improved a bit this offseason. I don't think the Warriors have really addressed the size thing against the Lakers. I think Saric is going to be a good addition. He's going to work well in the system. But I just look at the Lake, uh, the Warriors roster. They don't even have a seven footer on the team. Like this is like the late 1950s or something. Like I get, I get it small ball, but it's a little too small for me with the Lakers. They have a lot of skilled size in the front court. I mean, LeBron, he's still six nine, two sixty. Like Anthony Davis, and then you have Hachimura, who's a bigger forward. Of course, the de- development of Kaminga will help the matchups against guys like Rui, guys like LeBron, but the, the Lakers are too big in my opinion for the Warriors. Um, and again, I don't see that the Warriors made such huge changes to get over that hump. I think Clay Thompson needs to be much better and Draymond needs to be much better. I just don't really have the full faith in them, especially Draymond that they will. It's tough when you have two non-shooters in the court with Looney and Draymond and then Clay's bricking everything. Uh, so that, that's why. And then Peyton, awesome point of attack defender, but he also can't really hit a shot from the outside. So I, I don't see the – I see the the Lakers as a, as a better team. Not by so, so much, but they're a better team to me. Yeah, I, I kind of agree in terms of the size. I think that's really the, the position that Steve Kerr uh, and now Michael Dunleavy Jr. has put the Warriors in uh, by bringing in Chris Paul and not really bringing in somebody to help beef up the front court uh, with Kevon Looney and Draymond. Uh, gifted – Bruce, it was a brutal loss for y'all. Like, it just really was. Like, there's no sugarcoating it. What What did you see? Uh, what do you think changes it this year? Uh, I have two thoughts. One, I think the Warriors are going to shock people uh, with an offensive dynamism, like a dynamic on offense uh, that the league just isn't necessarily ready for. And I think they can switch it up as well. And, and make it a full young run team uh, during the parts where they're rush, you know, resting Steph. So, like, I see hyper-efficiency and then, like, fast transition spurts with Moody and Kaminga. What do you see coming out of that loss? Let, let, me, let, me, let me say – let me go off first, Gifted. Let me say this, right? In, in my opinion, right, I don't like to make too many excuses, but you just have to call a spade a spade, right? The Lakers – the Lakers, the Lakers pretty much shot 387 free throws. The next closest was 184, the Miami Heat. That, that, was, that was complete crazy. That was not normal. And, like, if, if you don't want to point out a foul disparity, fine. Loon averaged, what, let's say 15 rebounds in the first game. and uh, Sorry, Loon averaged 15 rebounds in the first series against the Kings, right? And then he averaged 10 rebounds against the Lakers. And we understand how the Lakers or any LeBron James team against the Warriors is going to play. They're going to sell out to where the shooters are. And, you know, your shooters are Steph. Clay Thompson, who came to camp out of shape, pretty much that entire series, he was shooting the Warriors out of the series, right? So 
you could see Jordan doing it in the first series. You could see him do it, that shot that he took, and everybody looked at him. I think it was the end game one where he took that long three, and everybody was looking like, dude, why'd you take that shot? So I think certain kind of issues that you would have, because everybody every year talks about size, 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 but the Warriors have kind of done away with size, and that's the reason why they started winning. And they just won two years ago with Otto Porter inserted into the starting lineup. So, like, I'm not really focused on size. I'm focused on people who are willing to play for each other and know how. You understand? And so, Draymond Green, I will say this. I'm not a fan of him being so close to LeBron James because if you look at the energy that he gave the Sacramento Kings, Chewy, when he went at your teammates and, and, he, and he was cursing at them and pointing at people and telling them what he thought they was, and, you know, I'll keep it clean, but, you know, those words that he used, he didn't use that same energy versus the Lakers. And so I believe he's compromised when he played LeBron because it's not the same passion that it used to be when he was in Cleveland. So if the Lakers do match up with the Warriors, I don't want it to be like first round, second round. It would have to be the Western Conference Finals. But also, also I'm also of the belief like every year Laker teams or LeBron teams, they get specific players to be traded. So like I'm not even worried about who's on the Laker roster now because they're going to be movements done at the trade deadline or before. You know what I mean? But like I said, if the Golden State could just do what they do, focus on the guys in the locker and play for each other, we'll be good. That's how I feel. All right. Gifted, you're up. We got about another uh, 10 minutes of this segment and we're going to get into the ESPN Top 100 because this one, I'm going to let you guys go back and forth because there's a lot of players on the list that I, I don't think they're in the right position. And I think there's a lot of players on the list that you don't think are in the right position. Gifted, go ahead, finish up the uh, Warriors and Lakers. Yeah, so my perspective on the series coming in is L.A. had more size, and they had more guys that got to the rim more than Golden State did. In that playoff run, the only guys that actually got to the basket for the three-point line to the paint would be Steph Curry, um, Jordan Poole, and and Andrew Wiggins. Jordan Poole was unplayable because his defense was terrible, and he wasn't making any shots on the offensive end. Andrew Wiggins was coming off of – that competitive King series and also not playing basketball for a very long time. So his burst towards the basket also was not quite there. Kevon Looney couldn't really play in the series as much because Anthony Davis could actually like punish him off of the dribble with his skill and his strength. And the Lakers just had, you know, a bit more size in transition as well to get to the free throw line. Some of the calls I didn't like, but I went in the series expecting it to be that way because they had more size. The lack of shooting that Golden State had in that series really hurt them. The motion offense died a lot, and it came down to Steph basically every possession having to create offense out of the pick and roll. A lot of people, for whatever reason, like have the notion that Draymond is the point guard of Golden State, but if you watch the entire series, Steph was running pick and roll with Gary Payton. He was running pick and roll with Jermichael Green. They were trying to make Anthony Davis have to come up and play defense so he could get out the paint so they could find easier looks, but they didn't have a consistent shooter in the corners. I think this year, Dario Saric, even though defensively he's not that great of a positive, offensively the spacing, you have to respect it. You saw that early in the preseason, how he can bend the floor. And on top of it, Kuminga played zero minutes in that series to actually impact it. I said coming into the playoffs, it makes no sense after the season Kuminga had where he stepped up greatly for him to not get any playoff minutes at all. 
And you saw in that series, Moses Moody was actually a very reliable player in terms of how he he crashed the glass and shot threes out of the corner as well. If you insert athleticism with Kuminga, who is arguably our most athletic player on the team who actually will get to the free throw line. For instance, last night he shot 17 free throws in a game. That type of vertical rim pressure with our spacers makes a ton of sense. And Chris Paul, again, I think his ball handling and understanding of how the game is flowing, his floor will be much higher than Jordan Poole. And even though he might be compromised sometimes defensively, I don't think he's going to get played out of a entire playoff series if healthy like Poole was. I think those are the biggest X factors. And having a guy that can take the pressure off of Steph to have to play make and create everything can help Steph basically solely focus on trying to get baskets compared to having to do everything at all facets all the time on the court and not really having his legs when on the other end they're also going at Steph to tire him out offensively. So I think when you think of all of those things, that is what makes them different for this year. And also, they just had a ton of open shots that they still created that they just didn't hit. You lose if you don't hit your shots. Obviously, we know that. But the fact that you have these guys who are this level of shooter, arguably, if they get those same types of looks, it might not go that way a second time. So that would be my argument. All right, a lot of size and rim pressure there uh, that the Los Angeles Lakers, you know, bring to bear on their opponents. It's, it's kind of sickening if you think about it. Uh, if you don't want to think about it, I can understand. Uh, but now we got to bring in Tony Vega and Born Rebel. Um, you guys win, you know, as Lakers fans, you rub it in. Like, it's totally okay. We understand how it works. Um, an interesting thing happened. You guys said that the Lakers didn't really make a big splash. They couldn't. But they did re-sign everybody that did bring over. They do have an actual young roster outside of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Um, so it's something that is unique uh, because it seemingly it seems seemingly that Rob Palinka might have figured out a two-timeline strategy for the Lakers that seemingly works. After you guys won, you lose to Denver. But what in this series do you take away from it? And then now heading into this season, uh, when you watch what the Golden State Warriors did, in, in essence, in response to losing to the Lakers, what do you see? And after this, uh, we'll go into the ESPN Top 100 um, because I'm going to say this now. Russell Westbrook is lower than he should be. Facts. Is Born there? I'm here. So a couple of things. I just love how these Warrior fans are all bold and stuff just because you know, Draymond is the final boss to Mike Tyson's punch out. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and, you know, Gifted, you said something earlier, okay? You better show respect to Anthony Davis. It's not Anthony Day-to-Day Davis. Anthony Medicaid Davis. All right? So, you know, we only we, – we can make fun of him, not you. But, um, look, you know, one thing I appreciate about the Warriors, like, they are – they are like the, you know – they. I'm going to start calling them the little giants, you know, because they – I've been listening for about – six, seven minutes, how these guys are trying to convince all of us that size don't matter. They're pretty much saying, hey, not the size of the ship that matters. It's the motion in the ocean. So you know what? That's who the Warriors are. They are the motion in the ocean. All right, but look. um... Oh, God. 
Yeah, shout out J-Love. Uh, but look, you know what? What the series meant for us? It meant that we were the California State champion. That's what it meant. Um, we, you know, we bust ass in six games. This year, we're going to bust ass in five games. And, you know, CP3, they're, wait, hold on. They're really planning on CP3. Uh, like, you know, there's a certain, there's a, a such thing as seasonal allergies. Not seasonal hamstring flare-up. But you guys are really depending on CP3 to be healthy in May. All right, buddy. Tony, it's all yours, man. Uh, yeah. Um, I think there is there is something that that, that Denver series also kind of kind of showed us. Yeah, exactly that that dude that that's uh that's this this part like emotional damage. I was I was gonna be frank like the the Lakers were were swept like there's no if bad if ands or buts we were swept yes. Gifted, I can see that. I can see that. I know we can emotionally be damaged. That's that's all. You know, we're this is group therapy. Um, so I mean, bro, like the thing that I kind of like about this coming scene is, season is just we had D'Lo basically run off the court, and to see him producing what he's producing now again, it's preseason. We take it with a grain of salt, but his attitude, his mentality has completely shifted. He's not the same player. So to a certain point, I kind of feel like that is probably the biggest hurdle if we can get D'Lo to be productive and that he can be that he can actually stay on the floor and not be schemed off or be targeted. That would be ideal. Um, other than that, I like the pieces. Again, they're just that there are a lot of good role players. There are a lot of I think it's it's pretty it's going to come down to Anthony Davis. It's going to come down to LeBron James. It's going to come down to our stars. Um, and by and by the way, it's going to talk. It's going to come down to number sixty-six, Austin Reeves, which is cracked the top one hundred ESPN. But we can go on that route later. But um, but to a certain thing, um, I did. I don't like the whole foul baiting situation and the whole free throw disparity. Like I feel like it's getting to the point where it's kind of crazy. It, it kind of takes away from from, from the game. And I try to be objective. I try to rewatch these games as much as possible. And it's just two different styles of game. It's just the Lakers, like even in that series, if I if I'm not mistaken, and even before, like they were not a good three point shooting team. Like they had to go and drive the basketball. It, it was basically an Anthony Davis show or uh, Dennis Schroeder trying try, try, trying to create something. It, it was very uh, pause rim pressure. So, to a certain point, it's just gonna inherently create more foul opportunities. But it's either here and there. I think it's gonna be a crazy, it's gonna be a crazy uh, season, especially in, in in the West. So, I'm excited for it. All right, uh, you said the stars, you know, and and now we're gonna head into the stars. ESPN put out their top 100 players, uh, literally. The entire Warriors roster that's, that should be on here that started. Uh, that's for a second. Uh, some of these names that are in the top 100, uh, they're they're pretty low. Let's go through it. We have Steph Curry at 5, LeBron at 9, AD at 10, PG 18. Uh, you have the Kings tandem of Sabonis and Fox coming in at 22 and 23. Kawhi's 24. 
And then you start seeing a drop. It drops to Clay at 41, Wiggs at 54, Draymond 55, C3P, Chris Paul hits 76, Kevon Looney at 88, and, and I'm going to say this, I think Looney should be ranked ahead. Uh, and then Westbrook at 94, and Harrison Barnes rounding out at 96. Now, there's a, there's a very simple rule in team building in the NBA. You get two top 25 players, it increases your chances of winning a championship. If you get a top 10 and a top 25, it increases above the team with 225 and so forth. I don't like the these top 100 rankings. I, I think that they're, they're arguably now more popularity and subjectivity as opposed to everybody getting together and agreeing on like an idea of how we're going to actually measure players. But there's one thing that I do want to say. When we rank players, do we do do you as a content creator go in saying this is the height that they can be or this is what they are right now? Because that's what I think I see. And we're gonna go ahead and open up with the uh the Los Angeles Clippers first. I can see PG at 18. I haven't I don't even think I've seen 24 games of Kawhi Leonard in the last two years. Why is he this high, Doc? Why is Paul George that high? Why no, Kawhi. Kawhi. I, oh. P- PG's there. I've seen him. I know. You think Kawhi's high? Kawhi, like, why is? Would you put Kawhi in the top twenty-five? Me? I mean, yeah. I think the thing about Kawhi is last season he only played four less games than Paul, and if you count the playoffs in total, he only played two less games than Paul. And when Kawhi's healthy, there's there's no. Like, we don't really have any basketball criticisms for Kawhi Leonard. It's really just play more because and stay healthier because when he plays, to me, he, he's a, he could be a top three player in the NBA. Like, I'm really being serious. When he plays, he's really that good. If you look at the stretch he had in, from January onwards, he was insane. Like, 26, 70, 50, 40, 90 in that stretch. Like, yeah, like 50, 40, 90. I mean, he's not the all defensive level defender that he once was, but he's still a very solid defender. He's still a good defender. And then in the playoffs, when all the bright lights were on, he was looking like the best player in the series with Devin Booker playing at an insane level and Kevin Durant being Kevin Durant. And he was still looking like the best player in the series. We had gotten the split that we had, that we wanted in Phoenix without Paul George because Kawhi was just that good. So the re- I would agree with you, Chris, if it was maybe a season before this, but the fact that Paul George only played two more games than Kawhi last season and is higher than him, even though he's clearly not a better player. I don't think Paul George should be above Kawhi even after last season. I'm sorry, there's only four game difference or two game difference. So that's my thing. I know the reputation around Kawhi because Paul George will play when he's like has a little injury. Like he won't play. He doesn't have to be like 90 plus percent to play. It feels that like Kawhi only plays when he's in like 90 plus percent because of his team doctors or his personal doctors or whatever. And yeah. Where does PG fall in your top 100? Uh, I'd say around somewhere between 16 to 20. But I think Kawhi Leonard, it's just it's just tough, right, because of the amount of games played. But listen, Carl Anthony Towns was ranked above Kawhi Leonard. And <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns played 29 games. I would take Kawhi Leonard with one knee over Carl Anthony Towns. Like, I'm, I'm, that's insane. So I think Kawhi should be top 20. Maybe you can switch them. 
But although 24 is still kind of a little low for Paul George, that list was all over the place, though. So I, I agree with it being all over the place. What are your guys' thoughts on the Clippers uh, tandem of PG and Kawhi in the top 25? Whoever wants to go first, go. Yeah, I, I feel like the Kawhi disrespect kind of gets on my nerves a little bit because people have no qualms about where KD is, but Kawhi actually played more games than KD last year, and that's Kawhi coming off of injury. Like, Kevin Durant has also been a lapsed player, but people don't talk about it because he's this seven-foot killer, I guess. I don't really get that. Kawhi Leonard, when he plays, is one of the best players in basketball, and in that playoff series, I feel like Dime really undersold it. Kawhi was by far the best player on the floor for anyone that was there in both of those games. And he was still not all the way healthy. That's just how good of a player that he is to put Paul George over him. When Paul George has also been compromised and hurt really doesn't make any sense to me, but I don't really get mad at these types of lists anymore. Cause it's really just for engagement. And I understand what the game is, but it's laughable to think that we have to really talk about should Kawhi be top 25. I really don't get that. All right. Uh, anybody else want to give their thoughts? No, I think, I think, yeah, like, I think, like, once you earn certain things, as like, far as accolades, let's say, as far as becoming a champion and stuff like that, um, I, I kind of understand, like, why some people, I don't understand why LeBron James is top 10. I mean, his team was 33 and 49 last season, and they had him ranked at six. So we know, as the great Kobe Bryant said, is he know that those people are idiots. As you said, it's a popularity uh voting contest these are the same people who say the same people making these votes are the same people who are trying to vote for lebron james in the nba finals to be the mvp and he lost like come on man this is not a jerry west era so i do understand that like me personally i thought Jokic was going to be the 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 top ranked player when lebron james won in the bubble um he was ranked one um anthony davis was ranked two steph curry wins in the bubble i mean steph curry wins two years ago he's ranked like five so i think that's a good point, Dom, because a lot of people, and I'm going to tell you what the issue is real quick. So Paul George and Kawhi haven't really missed this great um, amount of games. Like, there's not this big difference, as you just pointed out. But I think because Kawhi had the bands coming into to, to Los Angeles saying, you know, I want Paul George, right? And then also a part of his contractual agreement is he will be load managed, right? Which is kind of what Toronto did. I think from that perspective and the NBA not liking that and trying to find ways to get that out of the league, I think that's why he takes a bad rap for it. You know what I mean? And so even if, as he came out and said the other day, he doesn't play because he's hurt. Every time he, you know, he's healthy, he plays. So he doesn't know what people are talking about. But that's not how the masses are looking at it. And you can kind of, you can see that. They'll do this where voting and different things like that is concerned. If they don't feel like, you know, you're up to the par for even for, for their liking, you'll be penalized in this regard as well. I, I like that take. Russell Westbrook falls into that take. He's ranked 94th. Last year, he averaged 16.64, seven and a half assists, one steals uh, per game, and he had 24 double-doubles. Someone tell me uh, some good news. Where would you have Russell Westbrook? Because at 94, I'm having a very hard time to to, to not move him up into maybe he, he's still top, top 35. 50. He's he's still top fifty, top forty, and if 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 we're gonna give if we're gonna give that's what I'm saying. If we're gonna give Kevin Durant the benefit of the doubt, why we can't give the guy who averaged three triple doubles year in year out by himself the benefit of the doubt? 
And you know why, guys? Because he played for LeBron James. And <laughs> this is what happens. No, I'm telling you. This is what happens. You play with LeBron James and you get all of the blame because none of the blame is to him. It's to his teammates. It's to the guys who get traded. It's to Frank Vogel. We're no longer talking about Frank Vogel being a elite defensive coach. We're blaming everybody else. So, guys, if you don't want your ESPN rankings to be affected and you still want to make money, don't play with LeBron James. Okay, so wait. Hold <laughs> oh, on. I, I have to jump in here. I have to jump in here, all right? Because first he ain't all, lying. No, no, no. Okay, so here's the thing with Westbrook, okay? Was it LeBron James' fault when he was consistently hitting the shot clock? Yeah, confidence matters. I'll just say that. Okay, so so LeBron James is responsible for Westbrook's confidence. Of course. Like, oh, okay. Not yeah. solely though. I'm not gonna say solely. So so let's see. He uh OKC, then he went to Houston. Didn't work in Houston, but that's that's LeBron's fault. Um, Wait, time out, time out. Wait, okay. that, that doesn't really mean anything, bro. Yeah, He's in Los nothing. Angeles. The no, because no, we're Rockets bringing, weren't okay. that bad, though. They, 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 the they Rockets were doing decent. Then they Actually, Westbrook played the best ball of his career, arguably, when he was in Houston. He just got hurt in the playoffs, which is out of his control. But, they also, and then you, people also try to say the same thing about Chris Paul, but he had a phenomenal year in Houston as well. And yeah. I, I just don't – look, the thing with Westbrook is – He's a great player, but I'm going to say this regarding Westbrook, all right? Westbrook is still a solid player because there was even times, and Dime Dropper, you might not agree with this. There was times again uh, in that Phoenix series when Westbrook was actually the best player for you guys. Yeah, well, um, I agree. Yeah, so, but the thing, but this is the problem with Westbrook. It's the, it's the blooper reel. It's the, it's the, you know, getting your layups blocked by the rim. It's the the jumpers that's going in the third row. We saw this for a season and a half up close. Like his mistakes are just so glorious that it's just like it's it's so memorable that when they're making these lists, you're like, can I really put this guy in the uh, top fifty that um, you no, know but, but, has this crazy? But, but, but it, it might not be putting rookies over who haven't played basketball I, yet. That, I okay, I look. Correct. No, no, look. Here's the thing. This list is flawed. First of all, it starts off at number one. Giannis is my favorite player in the league, but there is no one that can convince me that Jokic is not the number one player. As of right now, this is the list that came out in the preseason. So I understand that it's flawed. Westbrook at what? We're saying 96, remember? 94, Harrison Okay, 94. Uh, Okay. Westbrook at 94, yeah, that's low. I will say it's low. But the thing with like what it's the optics with with Westbrook that I think he's unfairly right. judged on. Well, let me put it this way: Would you have Russell Westbrook ahead or behind Clay Thompson at forty-one? Ooh, that one's rough. I'm gonna say I would have him behind. I would have I would have him behind because you know what, Clay Thompson's mistakes, like his, Clay Thompson mistakes. It's not as bad as Westbrook's, and then also Westbrook. That's not went, true. I can't let you do that. <laughs> uh, uh, it's not true. Uh, I mean, didn't you wait? You. Didn't you just say play. like, was it wasn't there a, a monologue saying like you needed a corner three and you didn't have it reliably? And whose job is that? Like again, it's Clay Thompson's job. So to a certain point, like he fell short, and 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 then even Westbrook to a certain point, like I, yes, he's low, but. I would probably have him behind Clay Thompson and probably in front of, of, of 
DeAndre Aiden, to be honest, because oh, I don't know how the hell you can put that. But and there's a lot more. Again, this this list is flawed, but it's just there is no accountability. It's all LeBron James' fault. It's all LeBron James' fault that Westbrook <laughs> nope, actually his fault. The rim. It's Westbrook's fault that his decision making cost us games upon games upon games. But Tony, and I will Tony. say this to accountability. Yes, yes, wait. I will say this with accountability. The Lakers front office did a disservice to Russell Westbrook. Yes. This this front office, look at that roster that they built when they decided to pair the three. That was bad. That was horrible. But if you look at his performance in a vacuum, it was pretty damn awful. Like his shot, everything. He had a midi before. He had confidence. But, and but... I'm just saying, the, the lights were too bright. And if the light is LeBron James, then hey, good luck with the Clippers. T- Tony, let me, let, me, let, me, let me say this point real quick, though. Let me say this point. Russell, first and foremost, being a Steph Curry fan, I was never – um, I was never a Russell Westbrook apologist. I never came to the defense of Russell Westbrook. It was only until he went to L.A., which is home for him, right? And, I mean, dude, all I'm saying is I've seen Russell Westbrook go at the Miami Heat young in the finals. I've seen Russell Westbrook play with Kevin Durant, have the Warriors down three games to one. And I've seen Russell Westbrook without Kevin Durant and play hard and win MVP. And, you know, yeah, you could say it was a narrative. They gave it to him, whatever the case is. But, dude, when you go back home and when your wife is getting death threats, when your family is getting death threats, when the place that you always looked at as your refuge, when these people are, like, calling you things that you never imagined would happen where you're from and they're praising someone else, dude, I understand why his confidence. You, you ever see somebody shoot like some half-court shots to win 10,000 and they miss every single three-pointer? It's not that they couldn't make the three. It's just, yeah, you're right, those lights. But Westbrook played in UCLA, bro. He's a California guy. The lights is not bright for him, dude. This is what he does. It's just, why is it that when he leaves and goes to the Clippers, all of a sudden he looks amazing again? Now, as you just said, you said the Lakers, the management did a disservice. First and foremost, LeBron is the GM. We know this, and we don't need to play the games. And with all due respect, with all due respect, LeBron said that he wanted Russell Westbrook. Carmelo came out and said, LeBron called me and said, I wanted you. It's our time. So it's it's fair to admit the management was following the lead of LeBron. And him, with all of the IQ, should have known, I don't think it's going to work. Because when I need him to just hold a corner, hit a knockdown three, that's not his game. I just don't understand how he didn't know that. So, I mean, you go ahead. Yeah, go, real go quick. Go one last thing about Westbrook, and I will say this about Westbrook: that when he was with us, especially this the last this last season, half a season, he was getting judged strictly by him caught being seventy forty seven million on the salary cap. Now. He still produced. He still was a decent player, but he wasn't a forty-seven million dollar player. Obviously, that doesn't justify death uh, death threats, and you know whoever did that is you know scum of the earth. But yeah, he was getting judged based upon his salary. That was probably based upon his skills from a few years prior. I just want to. All right. Uh, I mean, that's that's fair because it, it, it's what happened. It's what happens with all these contracts. Once the player no longer performs the production level of the contract, the fans turn on them. 
Like that's that's just unfortunately the the nature of the business. Also, in the nature of the business is misrepresenting a, a player's production and value. Demontis Sabonis is listed at twenty two. I have Demontis Sabonis firmly in my top fifteen, and he's one spot ahead of Anthony Davis. What do you have him at, Chewy? And and let's get to the rest of the team. You laugh, but if you look at what he did. You you can't argue with what he did. That's the problem. As I Warriors fans, I mean, as Kings fans, bonus at a little bit lower here. No, as Warriors fans, who they think is better? As Warriors fans, who they think is better between Sabonis and Anthony Davis? See what they say. Well, hey, no, I, I hear what you're saying. I just want to ask you, Chris, are you just head. saying production over value of that production? That's the question I. I am saying you. that that production and value for me is factored in. To what an overall top 100 ranking comprises of. And when you do that, DeMontis Sabonis averages, uh, had the most triple doubles, averaged what, 20 and 12 essentially? Uh, how many finger. games did he play versus AD? Mm-hmm. What was the record for the Kings? What's the value of the contract, you know, compared to production? What's value of contract compared to production against expectations? I mean, Production was there. And I think my counter to that would be if you look at Anthony Davis's production beyond just the basic counting stats, his defense is the reason why they were in the playoffs and even made it to a conference finals. I think that's way more valuable than whatever Sabonis provided, I would say. All right. Well, Sabonis provided, you know, the ability to get a top flight offense in the NBA and to make the playoffs for the first time in almost two decades. And Anthony Davis provided a defense that was so stifling that he could change the entire roster on the fly at the trade deadline and still be productive because that's how good he was defensively for that team. And despite the fact that they didn't have the best shooting, they could put their hats on defense because of who he was as a floor raiser defensively, not to mention what he was doing offensively as well throughout the playoffs, even though he was a bit more inconsistent on that end. But still, the floor of Anthony Davis offensively in the playoffs was better than Sabonis. Okay. Yeah, uh, so, <laughs> so anybody else want to hop in? Like the Chewy yeah. can hop in here. I have him, yeah. I have him higher. It's just so, for me, the production is there. So you, you said you, you would have him ahead of AD. Or I, you, I, I have him ahead of AD. You have him. Spot. So I, I don't know. So where I noticed, what I noticed was that the three that are in the row, with Halliburton, Sabonis, and Fox, and could could they not separate those guys? I mean, are they just going back to to the trade? And they're like, because everyone was so wrong about the trade, saying that that was a shit trade, and the Kings made such a bad decision. Yeah, oh, they're going to be poverty yeah. again. And now you look and see what the Kings were with Sabonis, and you see what Halliburton was for the Pacers. Yeah, they missed the playoffs, but they're going to be in the playoffs. Halliburton's way too good. He made the all-star team. He's going to be all NBA. Sabonis was all NBA, but you put them all three next to each other. I mean, that's a little bit, uh, that's a little bit lazy to me. I I believe that Sabonis should be higher. He should be higher than cat. I don't know if he should be higher than AD because AD's game is more balanced to what, to what um, Warriors I'm sorry, looking at your name, uh, to what Bruce was saying. Um, his game was much more balanced, so I wouldn't put him higher than AD. But again, this list that we're talking about the rookies earlier, this list is a little bit of what they were 
and a little bit of what they're gonna be. And you're going talking about talking about Russ earlier. Yeah, I would I would flip flop him and him and Draymond. I'd put Draymond way further down than I would putting moving Russ up. Um, but if just talking about Sabonis and and Fox and Halliburton, those those things got to be moved around. Um, but Sabonis definitely needs to bring his bring his defense up, bring his rebound up. Um, but when you talk about the value to the team, yeah, you see what he brought to the Kings. If you brought eighty to the Kings, I, I think that that same thing probably would have happened. You know, I mean, this, this that game that AD could bring to the Kings, I think that we probably would have been in the playoffs as well. Um, but at what cost, like you're saying, that value? So who would we have lost that we were able to keep for the value that we have Sabonis? But see, Chewy, you selling uh-huh. yourself. You selling my, my bad, Chris. But Chewy, you selling yourself kind of short, man. I mean, like, let me say this, right? They got Sabonis ahead of De'Aaron Fox, and I yeah. understand how special Sabonis is. He's not but, better than Fox. But Fox is a dog, and and in the moment where greatness is 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 championed, which is the playoffs, Sabonis laid an egg. I mean, you got Looney getting 20-plus rebounds on you and, and Draymond punking you almost, and I'm seeing De'Aaron Fox with a broken finger rise to the occasion. So it's hard for me who Sabonis didn't win anything in Indiana, and that's why I like Anthony Davis. He was special, and you remember the talks were about the Grizzlies, and they had a lot of stuff going on. The people had the Grizzlies winning that series against the Lakers, right? And so I don't give Anthony Davis all this credit as everybody else does because when he was the single man in – New Orleans by itself, he couldn't get it done. So I'm not going to give him all the credit now. If they don't have LeBron James, they don't win a lot of these games. Simple. So that's Fox true. is that guy for me. You're pretty low, Tony. We can't hear you. Okay. Uh, gifted. I, I saw you. I saw you uh, have has a physical reaction. Gifted. Hopped in here while we wait for Tony to pop in with his mic. Yeah, the LeBron stuff is is kind of weird to me because we saw stretches with both of them out, and Anthony Davis was their most important player over LeBron. I get like the legacy of who LeBron James is as a player, but unequivocally, making lineups with three smaller guards work was solely because of what Anthony Davis did defensively. Now, I'm not saying that Anthony Davis is the most consistent star player in the league. Of course not, but that Lakers team was built on one thing and one thing alone, it was their defense. And LeBron James, you know, obviously played defense to fit into that, but he wasn't elevating lineups at the same rate as Anthony Davis was last season. We saw both of those stretches with both. LeBron James was playing at a very high level without Anthony Davis, sure, but in terms of team success and elevating those lineups, Anthony Davis simply raised at a much higher level last year than LeBron James did. All right, like it. Um, Tony, you back? Uh, mic, mic test, mic test. There you go. Better. Um, yeah, I am. I, I, there, there's some truth here in terms of like Anthony Davis as the number one option in terms of winning. Like, I, I, I get that, but as what he is now in his role in his capacity as a defender, I, it, it seems like the ding to put him behind Sabonis is entirely on his health, which would beg to differ then. 24 for Kawhi, then it's correct because of the ding to his health. Like, if you're not going to value the performance that they do and the floor elevation, then it's kind of like, 
this list now this list now makes sense because you're dinging the the performance in terms of you know they can't substantiate that in in a season but they can they can elevate in the playoffs and right now it's like it's two polar opposites like Sabonis did not elevate in the playoffs he's actually he was a shadow of himself from what we saw in the season and Anthony Davis was basically top tier from what we can see in the playoffs so he rose to the occasion so I think there's more stock to that so it's it's kind of hard for me to put Anthony Davis behind Sabonis just because of that fact though so it, unless you want to ding the the health issues all right, Dime, do you want to hop in here with anything? Because up next, we're going to go straight to it with uh, LeBron versus Steph uh, in terms of this ranking here. It's five and nine. Uh, but, I mean, I know I have a very rigid view when it comes to production and value, right? And I get it. What are your thoughts when you hear me try to propose an argument about Sabonis over AD in these rankings? It just sounds like you're going more with the regular season and what he was able to do over the course of the regular season. But I agree with what Tony said. I mean, higher level basketball, the big boys show up, no load management, everyone's playing hard. Anthony Davis was just was just, was just a better player. No disrespect to Sabonis. I had a lot more to say about Westbrook, but we'll leave that alone. All I have to say is that those memes, those blooper-worthy shots, not one of them happened with us for a reason because the environment was different. And I think that, as Tony said, although I do agree with what Bruce said, we can't that was like a very well-reported thing that LeBron and AD recruited Russ. And it just, the roster wasn't really set up for that, for that uh, team around those three guys. So it was just a really weird thing from the start. They went all out because Brooklyn had three stars at the time. And I think they felt like they needed a little boost and it, it just failed miserably. And then when AD got hurt that season, it felt like the whole vibe of the team was off. LeBron was just his body language was terrible. He was still putting up a lot of points, but there were some games that he wouldn't even try. And it really, the whole team wouldn't try. And then Russ was at an all-time low. So I think Russ is around, to answer your question, Chris, about 70 or so. Anywhere between 60 to 70, honestly. I could hear top 50. I was surprised Bruce said top 50. I honestly wasn't going to advocate for him that hard, but he's top 75. But that's all I have to say on that. As far as AD and Sabonis, I think AD is a better player. All right, cool. Uh, we have a trio of Warriors not named Steph Curry uh, lumped over around the same area. Uh, that's Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, and Draymond Green, 41 through 55. Then you have two more. You have CP3 at 76 and Kevon Looney uh, at 88. Anybody have any issues with that? I stated Clay Thompson for me would be lower. I would also have uh, Wiggins higher than Clay at this point. That's just me. Uh, your thoughts here going in, and then we're going to close out the ESPN Top 100 uh, with the LeBron. I, I just Steph. have a quick question. I just have a quick question for the uh, for the, my warrior uh, fellows here. So there's six top 100 players on the Warriors. So you have. I'm just saying we're just under. We have. We're on the same page. There's no excuses. Right, there's no you guys have six players. Like I know, I, I know you guys preach strength in numbers. You guys got six top one hundred players, so we, there's no excuses for you guys this year, right? I mean, I, I didn't have no excuses from the beginning. The funny thing is, we'll say this, right? We'll say no excuses from us, but y'all got two top players in the top ten. You know what I mean? I will say, I think Wiggins should be higher than Clay. I'm not too into nostalgia like everybody else is, at the end of the day, right, if one player is relieving you of your defensive duties and he's stepping up to the task, he's a low-maintenance guy, 
you're taking a team-friendly pay cut and is outworking you on that end and you're asked to shoot and can't even do that in the playoffs. But when it comes to the Warriors winning the championship, the second most consistent player on that team was Andrew Wiggins. And he only played 30-something games this year, and you could tell, and it reflected in the stats. But you know what I mean? So I would say Wiggins, to me, is higher than Clay at this point. Clay can earn that back, but from what I've seen in recent, to me, uh, Wiggins, Wiggins got him. But I'm not even worried about uh, Zen. I'm not even worried about you, man, because when the Warriors win, they say they're loaded. And when the season starts, it's like dudes are way out of the 50, the top 75. So it is what it is. I'm used to this. Rinse and repeat. Going for my man that's 2-0 against us in the preseason. I just want to say <laughs> to to Lakers fans, um, if Austin Reeves is better than Klay Thompson, he's better than all these other players, if Anthony Davis is an MVP player when healthy, if LeBron James is an MVP player when healthy, if you got all of this phenomenal shooting, you had these great offseason pickups, I don't think you should lose four games straight to Denver again, right? I wouldn't think so. <laughs> I just, I actually have a question. Why is it that Lakers fans think that Austin Reeves is better than Jonathan Kaminga? What? Well, I, I, I think I seen you uh, mention something like that in the group chat. I, I'm okay with it if they believe that because Reeves has been more consistent. He has stayed on the floor and he showed up in the in the playoffs. He was given an opportunity. And he showed up. Kaminga hasn't gotten an opportunity, right? Um, and I think you will see him being unleashed, hence what's going on in the preseason. But for right now, I'm okay with anybody saying that. It's fair. All right. We'll get into a little bit more of Austin Reeves in a second. We're going to close out here. Uh, ESPN Top 100. We have Steph and LeBron. Steph at five, uh, LeBron at nine. It's it's rare, and it's hard because we're now in the top ten. I only have two players ahead of Steph in my top ten. Same. It's uh, Jokic and Giannis for me. Yep, same same here. I think there is no close player next to Steph Curry. I really think it's Jokic, Giannis, Steph, everybody else. Yeah, me too. I feel that same way. Awesome. Gifted yeah. uh, Bruce, you, are you bored here? Are we entering the time where we're going to look at Steph and he's going to start being discounted for no empirical reason other than the fact that people are now anti-warrior. No, uh, they do this with Steph every year. Um, Luke has been over Steph for like four straight seasons now, no matter what actually happens in, uh, in the season. So that doesn't really surprise me. And at some point, Luka will be better because, you know, obviously he's getting older and Luka Dodgers is an MVP caliber player. But what's funny to me is like how people are so easy to still say Giannis is better than Steph. And I understand what Giannis provides as a two-way player, but in terms of creating offense in the half court consistently, Steph doesn't need to run away from the ball in the fourth quarter when the games are close. I think that the offensive boost that he brings to his unit, despite the fact that he lacks a good secondary shot creator, speaks volumes. And adding Dame to Milwaukee is supposed to help bring those skills to the team because Giannis is lacking in that department. I kind of would have Steph over Giannis, to be honest with you. I think Steph and Jokic are virtually the same player in terms of how they impact their team offensively with their gravity and how they both re-evolutionize their position based on their play. Steph is a combo point guard 
who playmakes at a super high level, but because he can shoot so dangerously and he can play off the ball and impact his team in that way, Jokic has the best, you know, playmaking chops and vision in the NBA as well. I think those skills are more portable to the playoffs than Giannis. So, so very, very briefly, just to even add on to uh, what Gifted is saying. So for me, you know, like I say, to me, I could say Jokic is the best player in the world, just won a championship. I remember when Chris Bosh was asked on first take right after losing to the Dallas Mavericks who the best player in the world was. He said Dirk Nowitzki. Now, maybe nobody thought that, but him being a teammate of LeBron James, who was then going to go on to win his MVPs, for him to say that, I'm going to respect and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to respect the athlete who's in that arena, right? And so having said that, yes, I believe that the top three players in the world is Steph, Giannis, and Jokic, right? These guys have all won in the past recent three years. We've seen how dominant they are when they're playing and how bad the teams are when they're not playing. And was Steph listed as ESPN's number one in the world after beating the historic defense or the most historic defensive team since the 04 Pistons and the Boston Celtics and going completely eight, right? Almost 50, 40, 90 the entire series. You know what I mean? And so it's like we penalize some people who pick and take, you know, like, and, and I'll say this, the game of basketball, most people are used to dominance being tangible. Players who play above the rim, Shaquille O'Neal, breaking the glass, land on his back, glass shattering. And then now when you see Steph Curry dominating even more than Shaquille O'Neal, it's intangible because he's so small, he's scrawny, he got the defense being spread out. People don't know what to do. They're double teaming and selling out to him, but it looks different. You know what I mean? So it's just that it looks different. And it's also because, you know, ESPN's Golden Boy has lost in the finals two or three times as well. So <laughs> a lot of the voters can't be excited about that. Um, speaking of a NBA golden boy, uh, LeBron James, uh, 40 years old, 20 years in the league, number nine. Are we using time against him? Are we being ageist here? Uh, we'll go to Chewy. If you have anything you want to add in on the stuff, then go ahead. Uh, thoughts on LeBron at nine. Can you make an argument to get him higher? And I already know Born Rebel and Tony do. And we're going to go to them after you. Yeah, I could definitely make an argument for him being higher. Um, I would put him over Luca. I would move him up if I'm if I'm trying to trying to win a championship. What what has Luca shown? I mean, Luca Luca's a great player to watch. Of course, he's fantastic. But what has he shown that he can get you deep into the playoffs? LeBron's won championships on three different teams. Luca hasn't done that yet. Why is he higher than LeBron? I think he's more available these days. That's hilarious to me. That, that's very uh, funny. Well, we've got the two Lakers fans and actually the actual hosts of the show. They've been gracious with their time trying to allow uh, the four creators to, to get their thoughts out here. But now we're getting ready to lean in heavy uh, on this here. We're going to give them ample time. Then we're actually going to move into some competition here. The West is loaded. It's going to be up and down for every single team. We're going to get into who the best team in California is, who's going to win the division, and then we're going to ask how each team is going to have to beat the, quote, vaunted Phoenix Suns. Yes, the team that everybody has said once they picked up Bradley Beal, for whatever reason, was the team to beat in the West, even though you have a dude named Steph Curry, 
even though you got a guy named Anthony Davis, they think for whatever reason, adding Bradley Beal was the thing. We'll get there. Um, go ahead, Tony and, and Born Rebel. What do you got at, at Braun and Steph in the top 10? Uh, what do you think is, is most egregious in terms of Lakers uh, rankings? And, and we'll go from there, and then we'll get into Cali. Uh, to be to be honest, like just a question for the panel. Down or first suggest. Um, have you seen Jonathan being stepped? I'm sorry, your microphone's kind of cooked. Yeah, Mike's cooked, bro. All right, while while Tony's okay, while Tony's saying that, I'll say this, all jokes aside, with LeBron, I'm fine with him being nine. And guess what? I would have been. And with, if someone would have said 11, and look, the game is in such a dope and beautiful place that we got a lot of players. Um, him being nine, the way I'm looking at it is, I'm not looking at it as like, oh, he's so low. I'm like, yo, he's in year 21, and he is top. He is a top 10 player. Like, that is just, like, what was it? He's a sixth player to, to get to a 21st season. Vince Carter, who's the only player to get to 22. Like, like all the other players that got to 21 seasons, they weren't relevant by the they weren't relevant in the sense that, you know, hey, can we get can we get 15 to 20 from you tonight? Like they weren't at that stage. Dirk was like, you know, wasn't the same player. I think, well, I think Dirk got to 20, but like Robert Parrish. Uh, Vince Carter, uh, Kevin Willis, like for LeBron to, I just look at it as an accomplishment. Um, I'm fine. Like, you know, I think, you know, yeah, Dirk made it to 21. He didn't make it out the arena without help. Yeah. He, yeah. He didn't wake it out. He didn't walk out of the arena on his own. So I'm fine with it. Um, you know, I just, I think that's an accomplishment. AD being 10, I'm also fine with it. Look, I think he's the best defensive player in the league. I have uh, AD as my MVP this season. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna get. This is his MVP year. But I'm also a, a huge AD critic. He has to. He has to show up. He has to be assertive. He has to be consistent. He has to be accountable. So yeah. He uh, and then look. I've also said this uh, many times on our podcast that. AD, he has three contemporaries that he's always going to get judged against. That's Jokic, Giannis, and Embiid. Those are his contemporaries. I don't think it's a coincidence, even if we disagree with the rankings. I don't think it's a coincidence that they're one, two, and three. Um, So it's like, AD, yo, you have to step up. Those are the guys you're getting judged against. Uh, They're winning MVPs. Two of them have won a title, uh, which AD has won as well. There are uh, two of them have won a finals MVP. So he's going to have to step up and be consistent for him to get on, to be recognized with those guys. Um, so, yeah, I'm, but to answer the question, I, I'm fine with uh, with uh, LeBron being number nine. You yeah. know, AD, AD has to play 66 games to, to win MVP, right? <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, so, so, so does everyone. So mm-hmm. does everyone. And I really think, look, you look. When does they he make it? To- that's the question. <laughs> Over under. Yeah, I, I, look, I think I think once he I think he's going to be on a on a counter, and as soon as he get to um, 
as soon as he gets to uh, 66, he's like, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right, let's we'll shoot a poll up there. That's a good poll question, Chewy. Uh, that is not Anthony a Davis. Zen, Zen, <laughs> Zen, aren't you curious? Aren't you curious that LeBron, I just don't I, – I, whatever tea he's drinking, I would want to drink some of that tea because <laughs> I just don't understand it, right? And then also, Anthony Davis has been his teammate for several years. So, like, why is he, he extending this tea to his teammate, you know, to have a bit more longevity? Because it's just weird. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know. So, hey, so- LeBron spends over a million uh, on his body, man. If you ain't chipping in, you ain't getting oh, in. Oh, so AD spending a million on his braids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, We got about 20 minutes. We've got uh, predictions for the season uh, coming up. All right, we've got all four teams in California listed here. Uh, we've got Warriors, Lakers, Kings, and Clippers. Now's the time that we're going to figure out where everybody's going to fall in the pecking order. Uh, we're going to go bottom up. All right, I'm going to say who's the worst team in California, and everybody's going to say Clippers. Are you ready? One, two, three. Who's the worst team in California? Kings, <laughs> Warriors, uh, Warriors, Lakers, Lakers—it's going to be Warriors. Warriors—they're wow. going to be the bottom of the barrel. Lakers. Okay. I'm reverse jinxing myself and saying Kings. Yeah, I I knew that's where you were going, but when when you had both of them say the Warriors in terms of dying and, and born, I didn't see that. I really did think uh, everybody was going to say Clippers because I thought everybody's going to be prejudiced against. Uh, you know, Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard, because that's what it tends to be in the media uh, when we follow it. So, all right, we'll go first uh, to Dime. You said Warriors, bro. What's up? I already said my – okay, let's put it this way. I think the Kings have the worst chance of the four to win the championship, yeah. but I also think they have – I think they're going to have the better best record in the in the regular season of all the West teams. Uh, not of all the West, of all the Cali teams. Yeah, that's that's yeah. still a bold statement. It's still a bold statement. I don't think that's bold. Not that, just just it seems like because LeBron and Anthony Davis were healthy for a whole playoff run, everyone thinks that they just are much much healthier than Kawhi and Paul George. But if you look at the regular season, they barely play more games, if anything. Um, so I still think those they're gonna miss twenty something games too. Just like I think the Clippers are gonna miss. That's why I'm going with Kings. But yeah, my pick is the Warriors. I think if I were a, not a fan of the Clippers, though. My safest pick of who's the the worst team in California would be the Clippers because of their lack of health with Paul and Kawhi. But I genuinely think let all four of our teams be healthy. I think my team's the best. Honestly, I think my team's the best. I think we have the best. Yeah, I, I literally think my team's the best because I think Kawhi might be the better than everyone. Steph Curry is, is right there with him, though. I, I'd give Steph Curry a slight edge. But but Paul George is better than any other player that the, that the Warriors have to me. All right, we'll let Gifted yeah, and Bruce no and respond. Yeah, I think that uh, for me, because I'm not a Clippers fan, um, I lean Clippers, and it really doesn't have much to do with their roster construction. It's more so like how serious are they going to be in terms of taking the regular season serious on top of the low management of the injuries. I think in terms of talent, they have a good roster. But my question is also, is Ty Lue going to go back to being a good coach or is he going to be right. the – the bad coach he was last year because he coached him out of a lot of wins last year. Um, I think for Golden State, 
their floor as a team is going to be higher than than a lot of people realize because now that they're starting out their season with GP2, their bench defense should be a lot better than last year. And their biggest problem last year in terms of their regular season was their bench because their starters, even though people hate saying this, their starters were the best starters in the league by net rating. So if that bench was better, who knows exactly how good they could have been, especially considering the fact that Andrew Wiggins, their best wing defender, played 37 games. If we're saying these teams are healthy and Steph is actually playing like 65-plus games, this team should be one of the best teams in the Western Conference. I, I like that. I like that. One of the reasons why I said the Clippers is because, and I understand, Dime, you'll say they'll put Kawhi up here, uh, but recently they're reporting that Terrence Mann, the reason why they're holding him out, is he's in line to get starting minutes at power forward. Uh, that means he would uh, really? start ahead of uh, Marcus Morris, Nicholas Batum, uh, Kenyon Martin, and Robert Covington. Like that's that's why to me that's a little bit a little bit too scary. Hey, Sacramento starts Keegan Murray at the four. I think Kawhi Leonard. I'd rather have Terrence May than Marcus Morris, though, for sure. Yeah, I, I you know what I I think I'm with you on that one as well. All right, uh, so we got uh, uh, Born Ready also said. Clippers, right? If uh, you said I said it, I said I said it. Oh, well, then we'll move on. All right. Uh, so uh, where are the Kings going to place? Um, we had one person saying the worst, and he's reverse jinxing. Totally get it. Dime has a very, you know, different view. He thinks that they're going to be rocking throughout the regular season. Got a great offense, great coach, continuity, gifted Bruce, uh, where are you on the Kings? Are they going to finish with the best record? Are they going to be behind the Warriors? Because in my order, I've got Warriors, Kings, Lakers, Clippers. I think yeah. the Kings are going to be the best team in the Western Conference. I think by record, they have a great argument to be one. And the reason why I say it is ironically, as a Warriors fan, mm-hmm. I see a lot of similarities to the Warriors path in terms of after their first taste of playoff success, they bring back the same roster with the same continuity Guys take leaps, and they're also a much younger and athletic team than the teams in front of them. And their guys play a lot of games during the regular season. I think Keegan Murray was one of the best three-point shooting seasons of all time for for a rookie player coming in. And his reps in terms of his ball handling and also his defense for the Kings could yield great results. I think that the uh, Sabonis and Fox – DHOs are very quick this year, even more than last year. And I just think that that offense is going to be very sustainable compared to last year. Their biggest question is bringing that in defensive intensity at home. Cause on the road, they were actually a very good defense last year, but at home, they just could not put it together. I think that these older teams who aren't going to be as up and down, can't really match their tempo for a full 82 game season and I think that's why they'll probably be the best team in in L.A. and arguably the best team in the Western Conference to me. All right, so you're, you're going both uh, for Cali and the conference. Uh, Bruce, I, I I have for California, I have Golden State beating the Warriors. I mean, uh, I have Golden State Warriors beating the Sacramento Kings, and it's closer than what a lot of people will realize in my mind. Um, Gifted is making a very good argument, though, Backing up the argument that Dime Dropper has here with the Kings, where do you stand? No, nah, I think – so I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm no believer in the Lakers, and I'm no believer in Anthony Davis. I don't care what he did in the last uh, – he, he's just never healthy. You know what I mean? 
And I think the Clippers have been through whatever they've been through. I think this is the year that they'll either be healthy or that's just over for the Clippers. And the Terrence Mann uh, tryout at Power 4 doesn't shock me because the NBA is a lot smaller. We've seen P.J. Tucker play Power 4 for the Bucks, play Power 4 for the Heat. The Heat had Caleb Martin playing Power 4. You know what I mean? It's a lot of teams are usually smaller or they go small. So that is just positioning. He's just moving around. But I'm a believer in the Kings. You know what I mean? They just added Duarte. You know, like I said, De'Aaron Fox, he figured out something. Malik Monk has been nasty off the bench. Um, you know, you still got Murray as he just spotted out. He's going to be better. Harrison Barnes, we went through our thick and thin with him and everything like that. But at the end of the day, you know, you know, I think the Kings, they're your new stepbrothers. And, you know, the Warriors are the Warriors, man. We still got champs at the end of the day. And no champion likes to be embarrassed, you know. So I think this year is going to be our year. It's a lot of dudes talking about contracts, Clay. Um, Draymond just got paid, and Jordan Poole is in Washington. Right. And so if if you gonna allow him to go out there and go crazy and you don't put your money where your mouth is, where your play is, hey, you know what I mean? But like I said, California, we, we know it's it, the Laker town it used to be a thing, but those days are over, man. The new Lakers is going to stay. I, I got to get a correction in here. Uh, thanks to Tony Schwartz NBA with the correction that is Eastern Conference MVP, Caleb Martin. Wants to make sure that we put the proper respect on it. Oh, most most definitely. <laughs> respect, respect. Uh, all right. Uh, we're going to go up to Chewy. Chewy, you reverse jinx the Kings. You have people down here bigging up the Kings. Like, it's, they're making it very hard for you to say we are going to be the worst team in California. So we're going to give you a good minute here. Stand up on your soapbox. Say it from your chest. The Kings will be the blank team. In California. <laughs> oh, man. The Kings will be... I'll put the Kings second in California. All right. There we go. Who's on top? I'm putting, putting the Warriors on top until they can prove us wrong. Um, and I know Kings Kings won California last year, right? Um, in the regular season. Not in the playoffs, but in the regular season. This year, though, rosters are so much different all over the place. Um, you know, we got to believe in Monty, our GM. We got to believe in Mike Brown. But until I see the new pieces uh, meld together, <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, one of the best games that I saw this year was that double overtime crazy game with, with the Clippers this year. And I got to give props to that team, you know, the way Kawhi played with that team. I wouldn't mind seeing – the Clippers and the Kings go far and see the Lakers and the Warriors down, down low um, because of the injuries, because of the way that the the Clippers haven't been able to show that they can go far. I, I don't know if the Clippers can get up there, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were the top either. Um, <clears throat> I think that any one of our four teams though, could be over the suns if we want to go that far. Well, that's going to end up being next. I'm going to get Born Rebel in here because uh, we got about 10 minutes by the clock. Uh, your thoughts on the team that wins California, and then we're going to go in uh, to your predictions for uh, matchups, uh, and we'll go ahead and get ready to close um, it after that. Look, I'm not sure if we're going to – I'm not going to sit here and say we're going to finish the regular season with the best record in California, but we will be 
the last team of California still in the playoffs. Um, so, look, we handle – this is the thing that I love uh, about outside of Christian Wood. We handled, we handled all of our free agency signings within, what, the first, what, 72 hours of free agency. We took care of business. Our yeah. guys – we have – our well, guys to, have been gelling. To, to be fair, yes, it's not like you had a, a, a complex route. You just uh, needed to resign three dudes. Uh, yeah, but we also added Torian Prince. We also added Gabe Vincent. Uh, we got Jackson Hayes. Um, so and we 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 got all of, we resigned all of our guys at a lower number than what they could have gotten, like. We did our thing. Like, I'm sorry. Look at the, the Clippers. The Clippers, we are one week away from regular season, and the Clippers are, you know, there's reports about them making a great offer to the 76ers. So they don't, they're not, their roster is not completely settled. Um, the Warriors, the thing with the Warriors is that, okay, you have Steph, Draymond, and Clay. that no matter what, as long as you have the three of them, you always are going to have a chance. But did they address any of their needs? Like to say, hey, you know what? We needed size. They didn't address that. Um, the whole strength in numbers, they don't have that. I don't think they got better. Um, CP3, okay. Like, yeah, he replaces Jordan Poole. But it's like, are we really, are we really saying CP3? It's one thing to have a great player. But it's another thing to say, hey, CP3 feels this need because all of a sudden they're saying, uh, oh, yeah, he's in the starting lineup. That's that starting backcourt is cooked on defense like that is that is going to be the worst defensive backcourt in the league, bar none. And I'll even say one thing. I don't think CP3 finished the season as a warrior. I think he's going to Minnesota. And you guys are going to bring bring in Big Spoon, well, Little Spoon, Carl uh, Anthony Towns. Okay, I think that's what's going to happen. I don't think Talk CP3. About yeah, is Carl Anthony Towns supposed to be a diss for the Warriors though? Yeah, yeah, I guess. I don't look. I think you guys bring him mid season. Adding Carl Anthony Towns to, yeah, to I, the Warriors. No, I wouldn't want Carl Anthony Towns on the Warriors if I was. The I, think, yeah, I think that's okay. the move that they're going. I don't see CP3. There is no way. The CP3 finished. I, I just don't see it because it's like that's a horrible defensive backcourt. So, but look, I see us at I see us the best in the uh in the state. Um, I think Anthony Davis gets the MVP. I think this is his year to step up. The see, Zen is yeah. showing because look, not, not to cut you because you, you your, your soliloquy is perfect, but at the same time, you know that no LeBron James teammates received those awards. Let's talk about the bubble for just, just just for two just for just for one minute. Let's talk about the bubble for one minute. Oh, not the okay. bubble, Anthony, man. We so got a wrap. Anthony, yeah, Anthony we... Davis. Anthony Davis had a historic run. He right? should have been the Finals MVP. Mm-hmm. But he didn't get it. So we're going back. Notion, three, we're going back three years. I'm saying. We're... I'm saying. I'm saying. Wait a minute. The notion. Yeah, we we, we, we go move past the bubble. But you're right. You are making a point that is correct. You, LeBron teammates don't they don't win awards because LeBron no, is there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That, and I think LeBron I think this is the year LeBron I think this is the year LeBron 
really start aging gracefully. Um, look, Anthony Davis, okay, and I'm not the biggest Anthony Davis fan, but Anthony Davis. Are you Davis, sure about that? I'm, no, oh, Tony will tell you, but I'm just looking at it. It's like, okay, well, the person in Philly is not going to get it. They, uh, the voters already proved that they were tired of giving it to uh, to Jokic, so they so they got you know MVP uh, fatigue. Um, Giannis is going to lose votes because of Dame, and yeah, you could say well AD is going to lose votes uh, because of um, Braun. I know it's a small sample size, but AD had the best three week stretch of any player <laughs> last season. He's going to build on it. Let's let's save this segment by by uh, throwing in a name that has actually not been tossed in that should have been tossed in any given time in the last five years. Uh, we are going to go and finish up who wins the MVP. Uh, I have an underdog, Steph Curry. Steph Curry goes for thirty plus points per game, six and a half assists, four point five to five three points per game. Uh, the Warriors close out in the top three record in the Western Conference, best team in California. Steph wins MVP. What say you, Gifted Blade? I don't think that's a bad call. Um, I think the record of the team would have to be above what I expected to be for him to be in those conversations. I don't doubt that he's going to be that caliber of player because last year he was the best player in, in the league when healthy, and then once he got hurt, he was out of that MVP race. So it really comes down to – his health more than anything else. But considering who they have on the roster this year, his scoring could be even more potent. And I think he could be in that conversation, but it, it really comes down to his health and their overall seating. I, All right, if I would say. If it's not Steph, who's your MVP? Um, if it's not Steph, to be honest, I think Jokic might two step it back. Cause we know for a fact, he's going to have the games played and, and that's going to be a top two seed in this Western Conference. Also, um, the voters, for whatever reason, thought Joel Embiid was the MVP, and then they saw what Jokic did in the playoffs, so they're going to probably put more respect on his regular season this year than before. So I think Jokic will be in prime position for that again. All right, Bruce, you heard me. I I gave the the latitudes and longitudes of how I think Steph Curry wins the MVP. What say you? Well, I mean, that's great. I appreciate that. But I'll be honest, I don't necessarily see that. Um, And, you know, I'm more so leaning on the the Luka Doncic or even a Jason Tatum because I know that the NBA like these two players, especially Luka. And, you know what I mean? Dallas, of course, would have to do a bit better. And I would have said Dane, but, I mean, I know Giannis, they're going to cancel each other out. So it's like, just looking from the whole spectrum, the Jokic thing, I, th- I think they wanted to give it to him last year, but not really the voters' fatigue, but just the dialogue around NBA basketball talks and MVP talks, I think that was just kind of toxic. But it, it, I think it'll be Luka. If Steph wins it, I mean, we're trending in a good direction, right? So that'll be a good thing, too. All right. Dime, you've made a case about talking uh, uh, Kawhi Leonard needing to play more, take it seriously. Uh, you've also said, like, hey, they, they say they're in, and you made the claim that if everybody's healthy, you love the Clippers. You think the Clippers are the best team. Give me your MVP uh, breakdown of Kawhi. What does he need to do to win the trophy? Play 66 games. Then he'll be in the race, but he's not going to. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm just – that's the anti-jinx. That's my anti-jinx. I don't think he's going to. 
But um, if he does, we're going to be really good. Uh, I don't think Steph's going to play 66 games. Uh, that's why I was I was surprised that you went that route. You're you're pretty high on the Warriors, Chris. I'm I'm pretty surprised. Yeah, a lot of oh, I, I, I'm not high on the Warriors as a team winning the championship. I'm very high on Steph Curry having a historical season. Yeah, but top three regular season, best team in, in California in the regular season is is still pretty. I'm pretty surprised. But my pick is what Gifted said. I'm going with Jokic. I think he's the safest pick. I think there'll be some level of we messed up last year by the voters. And if he plays that 65-plus games, you know Denver's going to be top three unless something happens to Murray. And top three, his stats are going to be outrageous, and you know the production is there when you watch him play. I'm going with the Joker getting his third MVP. All right, Chewy, does De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis have any chance in, in this conundrum that will be the MVP discussion next year? They'll get both, but they won't get anywhere near the top. Um I, I'm on the Jokic train. My my dark horse, though, it could be Shea. I like a GA. <laughs> oh, I don't want to get into the SGA convo. I'm going to get a whole bunch of people mad because then I'll say he's DeMar DeRozan 2.0. But, you know, I digress. Oh, wow. Uh, we we got to wrap. Yeah. Um, we've got uh, two more things real quick before we close out. We're going to go ahead and give it back now. Uh, to Born Rebel, he's going to go ahead and, and close this out in terms of the Purple and Gold Mines fan cave. Uh, personally, I want to say thank you to him, uh, to Tony, and all of the content creators uh, that took part in this. I appreciate each and every one of you, and I look forward to a great season. Uh, back to you, Born. Our, from Purple and Gold Mines, our gratitude goes to Chewy representing Hot Shot Kingdom. Gratitude goes towards Leroy with the trophy mentality. Yo, we got the brother gifted hoops. Um, and we also, last but never least, is our homie Dime Dropper, Locked On Clippers. Um, hey, you know what? A lot of a lot of folks have the mentality that we we can't work together. We can't collab. And you gentlemen were extremely gracious with your time. And we root against each other, but we root for each other. Um, you know, in the sense that our teams play against each other. But us as creators, uh, we, we root for all of you. Thank you so much. This has definitely been the best episode of uh, Meeting of the Gold Mines. We're going to release this tomorrow. Uh, I would like to give an, a quick opportunity for each of you guys to be able to uh, – let folks know where they can follow you starting with you uh chewy uh let folks know where they can find top shot kingdom so per personally i'm chewy wolf c-h-e-w-i-e wolf with two o's um but i'm at top shot kingdom on ig and twitter um we run run a community of king's fans and top shot collectors and it's the same name everywhere appreciate you having me on Absolutely. Uh, Dime Dropper, where can they find you, man? Uh, you guys can find me for all things NBA and L.A. sports, especially L.A. basketball. If you're a Laker and Clipper fan, for sure, tap in. If you love basketball, tap in. on my YouTube channel, Dime Dropper. Um, and then on Locked On Clippers and the Locked On Podcast Network, five days a week for all things L.A. Clippers. And turn Instagram, Brother. Dime Dropper Pod. Sorry. Social media, at uh, No worries, no worries. All right, say that again because I was cutting you off. Say that again. I was saying Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod as well. So 
want to find me there. Absolutely. Uh, Gifted, where you at? Uh, Playback at Gifted Hoops, YouTube at Gifted Hoops, Spotify, Apple Podcasts at Gifted Hoops. Everywhere NBA related at Gifted Hoops. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Uh, brethren, Bruce Leroy. Yeah, don't know. Let him know, Yo, brethren. Yeah, no respect. So, Trophy Mentality is pr- premiering in a few days. You can follow that on YouTube. Subscribe. I'm on Twitter as well, Trophy Mentality. So, you know, lock in and let's talk sports, man, all over the world. Enough respect yeah. to everybody in here, too, man. Absolutely. And, yo, this this doesn't happen if uh, without Chris Hoop Spaces. To me, it is the platform that a lot of us need to kind of look at the Golden Star. And I'm not saying that to blow smoke. I have nothing but admiration for this brother. I've told him that many times. Chris, thank you, thank you, thank you for holding us down, man. I know it wasn't easy. But we appreciate you, and you made it happen, man. No, man. Literally, you guys did it, not me. I just asked questions and moved the button. I I couldn't do this without you. This is your show. I, I, I'm thrilled to be here and, and really thrilled to hear everybody's varied opinions, to be honest. Like, that's why we, we do this. We're passionate. And we love it. And I want to say thank you to all of you for sharing. Absolutely. This was definitely a true Meeting of the gold mines. I am Born Rebel, aka Zen. Um, I had my PGM, one of my PGM brothers, Tony Vega. You can find him at Ball Mojito. Bald Mojito. Even though he did say he wanted to get his uh, his hair like Cam Reddish, but that's to be seen. But look, you guys, you can find us at Purple Gold Mines. Gold Mines is M I D S. We are at Purple Gold Mines on YouTube, Twitter, Threads, and IG. Last but not least, you can join us for our watch parties at playback.tv slash PGM Fan Cave. Once again, I am Born Rebel, representing the Purple and Gold, representing Purple and Gold Mines. I thank you guys for joining us. Thank you for listening. And we will be back with another episode next week of Meeting of the Gold Mines. Peace the cage we raising all of the stakes make no mistake either you stay in your place or we put in you on a plate look at our face we put the fear in the dirt